the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the, let's see, Wednesday edition of the Georgine Rice Show on this June 7th. Today we're looking forward to sharing a conversation I had with Rich Jones and Matthew Dowd of Blessers of Israel, the podcast and news feed that'll begin uh, shortly in this hour and straddle into the next and we'll cover headline news as well. Also want to let you know tomorrow on the program, we're looking forward to welcoming Union Gospel Mission in studio, including Bill Russell. I'm always excited when Bill Russell is present. Uh, anyway, this is an opportunity for us to support the uh, efforts of Union Gospel Mission in providing housing for women and their children in their new facility that uh, provides for a significant increase in the population that can be served. We'll tell you all about that tomorrow. So really looking forward uh, to having Bill Russell in studio and talking more about that. First, we'll take a look at some of the day's headlines. Canadian wildfires are continuing to pour smoke along the east coast of the United States, including New York City especially, which um, this afternoon appeared red like it was um, on the planet Mars. Canadian officials have reached out to other countries to help fight the more than 400 fires across the country that have displaced 20,000 people. Canadian officials also said this is a shaping up to be the nation's worst wildfire season ever after being sparked on uh, drier than usual ground and accelerating rather quickly. In Quebec, more than 100 fires were burning uncontrollably on Tuesday. One of the biggest concerns from the fires is air quality. New York City is experiencing its worst air quality in recorded history. Um, uh, an analysis of EPA historical data affecting millions of people. New York City officials like Mayor Eric Adams and health and emergency management officials warned residents to remain indoors as much as possible and limit their time outside. If residents must go outside, officials suggest masking up. As haze and smoke from the Canadian wildfires continue to spread, much of New York State is expected to experience unhealthy air quality. The New York um, governor, Kathy Hochul, posted on Twitter, please take steps to stay safe, stay indoors if possible, and limit strenuous activities. Well, the governor also posted an update from the New York Department of Environmental Conservation and issued another air quality health advisory tomorrow for all of New York except for the Adirondacks. I saw images earlier in the day, and it's um, literally pea soup. You cannot see uh, inches in front of your own face. Because of the smoke, the Federal Aviation Administration grounded all planes at New York City's LaGuardia Airport on Wednesday. Uh, Delays are also expected at other area airports. Many other officials turned to Twitter regarding the fires. The mayor of Ottawa, he said that he is very concerned about the conditions and sympathetic to those who have reduced lung capacity and asthma and might be having difficulty. Ottawa Public Health advised citizens to keep an eye on their health symptoms as the air quality health index continues to degrade. If you experience symptoms such as tightness in your chest, wheezing or shortness of breath, seek medical attention, which, of course, would lead you outside where the trouble really is. 
As mentioned, the Federal Aviation Administration issued a ground stop at New York's LaGuardia Airport today due to low visibility conditions as the wildfire smoke from Canada engulfs the area. This followed major airlines in and around New York and New Jersey warning of potential delays due to the smoke. The FAA has taken steps to manage the flow of traffic into New York City. Uh, due to reduced visibility from wildfire smoke. Flights to Newark Liberty International Airport have been slowed. LaGuardia and Newark Liberty uh, in New Jersey both issued advisories on Twitter. In other news, California is mandating electric big rigs. They say that um, what happens in California eventually happens everywhere else in America, so it is relevant. Increasingly, that's becoming really bad news for the rest of us. For decades now, the Golden State has been perhaps the world's foremost center of creativity, innovation, trend-setting. But these days, it seems to be teaching us how not to... um, uh, more of a lesson on how not to than before. Well, this includes the, the government's uh, pipe dream of forcing trucking fleets to go green. We can particularly hear an angst-filled voice from the future. It sounded like a good idea at the time. Well, imagine electric-powered rigs hauling goods across the uh, the country while reducing our carbon footprint. But what likely uh, uh, most every government mandate, this is another directive that's too good to be true or too true to be good. For one, the California Air Resources Board has mandated that trucking fleets operating in or near ports buy only zero emissions trucks beginning in January of 2024. And by 2035, trucks in all fleets must be completely zero emission. Still, as Rachel Permack writes in the supply chain journal Freight Waves, months before this regulation comes into effect, Folks on the ground say key infrastructure and concerns haven't been furnished. California must prove to the nation and the world that an electrified trucking fleet can underpin a major port without hurting a group of workers that already has um, the cards stacked against them. Well, those who might dismiss the impact of this regulation elsewhere in the country should look at the bigger picture. The ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach drive our national economy. More than a third of all containerized trade comes through these two ports along with the trade coming in through the bulk or tanker ships. Uh, That means hundreds of billions of dollars in t-shirts, steel, cement, uh, squish mallows, frozen shrimp, and basically anything else that you can think of. And there's some $145 billion in exports to goods like cotton, oranges, and the all important scrap metal. It's hard to picture America's consumer economy without those Southern California ports. Well, what's um, what the solution to a problem uh, uh, that doesn't exist uh, does is create, well, perhaps a greater problem. Uh, as National Review's Dominic Pino reported, the state government and private companies are going to spend gobs of money to buy electric trucks for which they aren't yet charging stations or electric capacity so that they can move less freight at higher cost. Brilliant transportation policy. Well, we'll look and see what happens next in the state of California. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show coming up later this hour. Blessers of Israel. Stay with us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Coming up later this hour, Rich Jones and Matthew Dodd, Blessers of Israel. It's a new podcast news feed. We'll give you all the important details in our next segment.
Well, Missouri and 17 other states have filed a lawsuit against the Biden administration over what they call its unlawful open border policies. The situation at the southern border is out of control, all thanks to Joe Biden. The Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey said in a statement announcing that lawsuit, he refuses to carry out his constitutionally mandated responsibilities, so we're taking him to court to force him to do his job, end quote. Well, the lawsuit argues that the president's lawful pathways rule, which was implemented after the end of Title 42 in May, worsens the situation at the southern border by redefining illegal border crossings as lawful pathways. The COVID-19 public era health measure, known as Title 42, allowed the Border Patrol to expel quickly some uh, migrants from the country. When the measure expired on the 11th of May, the Biden Department of Homeland Security released the Circumvention of Lawful Pathways final rule. Well, the rule states that non-citizens who cross the southwest land border or adjacent coastal borders without authorization after traveling through another country and without having, one, availed themselves of an existing lawful process, two, presented at a port of entry at a pre-scheduled time using the CBP-1 app, or three, been denied asylum in a third country through which they traveled are presumed ineligible for asylum unless they meet certain limited ex- uh, expectations. Under the new policy, the administration is encouraging migrants to use the so-called CBP-1 app to make an appointment at a port of entry. But Aaron Dwinwall, a senior research associate at the Heritage Foundation's Border Security and Immigration Center, says illegal aliens are simply paroled into the country. The Daily Signal is the... Um, outlet that uh, published the report, Dinwall wrote in a March Daily Signal report that the same uh, individuals who would otherwise be attempting to cross with uh, between ports of entry are being shifted directly to them by using the app. The administration calls this process a lawful pathway, but mass paroling tens of thousands of inadmissible aliens through the port make neither the process nor the uh, individuals using it lawful, she went on to write. Well, Chris Licht is out at CNN, the CEO, after growing criticism over the network's Donald Trump town hall, as well as the release of an Atlantic profile that did not go over well with staffers. Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslick uh, had defended Licht's efforts to move the network away from the oppositional stance it adopted toward Republicans in the Trump era. But the outgoing CEO appears to have lost his support after the publication of a biting Atlantic profile by Tim Alberta, in which Licht was quoted disparaging CNN's Trump era journalism. A college in Oxford University announced a new policy promising disciplinary action if students willingly or unintentionally, not even uh, always intentionally, but unintentionally misgender another student. Regents Park College, one of the 44 colleges within Oxford University, released a trans inclusion statement in June. The statement described the school's intolerance to transphobia and was crafted with student input last year. Misgendering or using pronouns that correspond with a transgender person's biological sex is characterized as an unlawful form of bullying or harassment in the statement. So even if you um, unwittingly, unknowingly misgender someone, you can be expelled. Former Vice President Pence took a shot at former President Trump as he enters an increasingly crowded Republican primary field. Two people were killed and five others were injured on Tuesday after a suspect opened gunfire near Virginia Commonwealth University following a high school graduation ceremony. 
Local police said the shooting occurred at about 5.13 p.m. in the area of Monroe Park near the campus of Altria Theater after a recently concluded graduation ceremony of a local high school. One of the victims killed was an 18-year-old male who had just graduated, and the other was a 36-year-old male, according to police. A new report from the Southern Poverty Law Center lists some parents' rights organizations as hate and anti-government groups akin to neo-Nazis and Ku Klux Klan. With the release of their Year in Hate and Extremism 2022 report on Tuesday, they appeared to uh, change their infamous hate map to now be a map of hate and anti-government groups. After counting 733 hate groups in 2021, the number increased to 1,225 hate and anti-government extremist groups in the 2022 report, many of which were focused on education. Parents who disliked what was happening in their education system and expressed that dislike are now labeled as hate. The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau issued an advisory Tuesday warning of potential risks associated with financial institutions using artificial intelligence powered chatbots for government uh, for customer service rather as the automated tools surge in popularity. But data from the banking industry, which has long utilized chatbots and artificial intelligence, indicates Americans are overwhelmingly happy with a customer service experience at their lending institutions. And one expert says the CFPB's uh, latest advisory suggests it's trying to overstep its bounds. Well, the CFPB's uh, issue spotlight said the agency had received numerous complaints from frustrated customers trying to receive timely, straightforward answers from their financial institutions or raise a concern or dispute. The agency said roughly 37 percent of Americans interacted with the bank's chat bot last year, and that percentage is projected to grow as more financial institutions adopt the tools. Senator Marsha Blackburn, a Republican out of Tennessee, is calling on Congress to pass an Internet user privacy standard as a first step toward making sure Americans are knowledgeable and their data safe amid the rapid advancement of artificial intelligence technology. Blackburn is one of four Republicans on the Senate Judiciary Subcommittee on Intellectual Property. The panel is holding a hearing uh, this afternoon titled Artificial Intelligence and in- Intellectual Property Part 1, Parents, Innovation and Competition. Maine's Democratic Secretary of State was questioned after claiming no labels, a centrist group vying for a third party spot in the 2024 ballot, was tricking voters into registering with the party. Secretary Bellow said, I am concerned about whether the Secretary of State is creating concerns among voters who have voluntarily signed cards supporting the no labels efforts. But Senator Susan Collins, a Republican from Maine, co-chair of No Labels, told a local news outlet after Maine Secretary of State Shanna Bellows raised concerns about the group. Collins added, I don't know whether she sends a letter like this out to someone who registers for the Green Party or the Libertarian Party. Bellows initially suggested several complaints were made from concerned voters who didn't realize that they had been registered with the No Labels Party. Democrats then reached out to 6,456 Maine voters who were registered with the centrist group to verify whether they had knowledge of their political party affiliation and reportedly received about 300 calls and emails in response. Well, the man who chronicled the life of CNN founder Ted Turner wishes the media mogul was healthy enough to restore credibility to the once proud network. Journalist turned investor Porto 
Uh, Porter Bibb authored the 1993 biography of Turner. It ain't as easy as it looks. Ted Turner's amazing story, which details the early days of CNN. Turner changed the landscape of television news with the creation of the 24-hour cable news network in 1980. But in recent years, the network has struggled to resonate with Americans. When I look at CNN today, I cry for Ted Turner because he's really unhappy, Bibb. Uh, told Fox News Digital, Turner suffers from Lewy body dementia, a devastating, incurable illness that makes it extremely difficult to communicate. Bibb said he's unclear how much of CNN's content Turner is able to absorb these days, but is confident he wouldn't be happy with it. The 1619 Project Education Network, an initiative uh, overseen by the Pulitzer Center, released a unit on reparations math, which focuses on whether descendants of enslaved African-Americans should be paid reparations and the basis of the payments. The project's education network released the reparations math and reparations history unit on the 8th of May and is intended for 9th and 12th graders uh, studying U.S. history and algebra 1 and 2, according to the unit resources. Students apply math skills, research into historical wealth gaps in the U.S., and an analysis of different reparations models to an investigation into whether or not reparations should be paid to the descendants of enslaved people in the U.S., the proposal summary says. The unit is inspired by the Commission to Study and Develop Reparation Proposals for African Americans Act, also known as H.R. 40 in Congress, according to the overview. And four times international voyages uh, turned into um, catastrophes after people fell overboard. If you're planning on traveling, stay safe and stay away from the edge. And a group of, well, we won't go into that. Prince Harry is expected to be back for his second day in court on Wednesday, but several experts are already wondering what his latest legal battle will mean for his relationship with the royal family for those who follow such things. And finally, a San Francisco hotel owner is planning to halt mortgage payments and to abandon the city due to crime. The owner of two San Francisco's largest downtown hotels is stopping mortgage payments and going elsewhere, as is the case for far too many for the state of California. Hey, you're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Up next, Blessers of Israel, the podcast and news feed. It's relatively new. All the important details when we return. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Well, good afternoon and welcome back. I'm so excited about this portion of today's program because we're going to introduce a ministry to some of you for the first time that was really launched a couple of months ago, but was birthed um, in 2022. Joining me today is the founder and senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Worship Center in Hillsboro, Richard uh, Rich Jones, who's also the founder and chairman of Blessers of Israel. Also, associate pastor Matthew Dodd, who is executive director of Blessers of Israel. And we're going to talk about this uh, vital, timely ministry uh, that we would love for you to uh, to take advantage of as a resource. So welcome to both of you. Thank you, Georgine. It is an absolute uh, pleasure to join you on the program today. Excited for, uh, of course, uh, this topic. It's uh, near and near to my heart. Thank you so much for inviting us out, Georgine. Absolutely. In the interest of full disclosure, I'm serving on the board of Blessers of Israel, and I I made that conscious decision because I support the work that this ministry is is doing. Let's just begin at the beginning. Uh, Blessers of Israel implies that there's something that believers are, are called to do. What does it mean to become a blesser of Israel? Well, the, the, the phrase, the name of the organization, really we trace all the way back to Genesis 12, where Abraham 
uh, was told by God, those who uh, bless you will be blessed, those who curse you will be cursed. And I believe that that um, is transferred then to his son, the son of promise Isaac, and his son on down to the generations, so that it's as true today as when God spoke it to Abraham, that those who bless Israel will be blessed. And I would extend that even to say that uh, that ought to inform our public policy uh, as, a, as a nation, uh, because I believe that uh, we as a nation must decide to stand with Israel, and the church must decide to stand with Israel, especially in these latter days. Well, let's talk about what it means to stand with Israel. I know some of our listeners are, are thinking, what about the Palestinians? If you are a blesser of Israel, if you stand with Israel, does that mean that we denounce our Christian brethren who are Palestinian? What does that mean in practical terms as a follower of Jesus, not so much in terms of public policy just yet, but as a follower of Jesus, how does that, uh, how does that work in the 21st century? That is a very, very good question. <clears throat> and uh, it's going to take a long time to answer it, but I'm going to try to make it fairly short in the sense that what it means is that believers um, are called to stand with Israel against anti-Semitism. So I think we should start with that. There is a mm -hmm. rising anti-Semitism in the world. Of course, uh, we saw the full brunt of it as the result of that was the Holocaust, <clears throat> but we are seeing a rise in anti-Semitism today all over the world. And so I think, number one, Christians need to pray and stand for Israel, stand with Israel, understanding that God is not finished with Israel. Israel is um, the chosen people, near and dear to God's heart, and God is not done with Israel. And so, therefore, it's incumbent upon the church to stand with and pray for uh, Israel. I think we begin there. Mm -hmm. But you also mentioned the, the Palestinian uh, issue. And, of course, there are believers uh, who are Palestinians. And so we, we do recognize that. But we have to look at the whole of the, uh, the Palestinian-Arab issue and, and see it in its historical context, because that is a very, very large issue today that is uh, influencing the world dramatically. We really need to understand what's happening there. It's a very large issue, and it's very much misunderstood uh, by many. I think we begin with the scriptures to understand the history, um, and then in, in light of what the scriptures tell us, to understand current events. So we would do well to begin there. I know that the founding of this organization really grew out of your love for uh, and teaching of uh, the scriptures. Uh, your commitment to teaching the full counsel of God's word served as the foundational distinctive of this organization, Blessers of Israel. How important is it for us as believers to understand what the scriptures teach on this subject of Israel in order that, first of all, we please God, but then we know how to respond uh, to scripture and, and history as well as contemporary events? Well, you brought up the history of, of Blessers of Israel as related to our role as pastors and Bible teachers. Both Pastor Matthew and I have been teaching through God's Word, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, for 30, 30 plus, 33 plus years. 
And going through the Old Testament verse by verse, uh, this is, in fact, our fourth time teaching through God's Word. And you see Israel through the eyes of the Lord when you teach uh, God's Word verse by verse, chapter by Mm -hmm. chapter. And you cannot help but fall in love uh, with Israel because God loves Israel. In fact, God says to Israel that he is the husband to Israel. You cannot help but fall in love with Israel since God has such a special place in his heart for Israel. So I think you're absolutely right. It comes out of that understanding of of God's heart for Israel by teaching through God's word. And I would add to that when you look at the prophetic events, both pre-Christ and post-Christ, you see that uh, everything is pointing to how we as Gentiles are going to be saved through the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And so looking ahead for us as members of the body of Christ, we need to understand what role Israel is going to play in the latter days in God's prophetic Mm -hmm. program Mm -hmm. with the return of Jesus Christ. So then we can stand properly, as Pastor Rich said a moment ago, in prayer and in our support and in the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because as you know, that's the only thing that will change lives is the yes. gospel of Jesus Christ. That's mm-hmm. what people need. That's what Israel needs. Mm-hmm. That's what blessers of Israel is all about. We want, we want Israel and her people to understand that Jesus is the Christ and he is the one mm-hmm. who will transform and he is the one who will make right all that is wrong. We need Jesus. We, we as a church need to get to that place because I think sometimes in this life we get so attached to the things of this earth We need to get to where John was at the end of Revelation where he says, come, Lord Jesus, Mm -hmm. come, Lord Jesus. There's the answer, because the Lord is going to settle all accounts and he's going to make all right that was done wrong because of the garden. But let me jump into that, because I think also we have to recognize and and scripture makes us to recognize that when we look at the events that are uh, the biblical perspective of the latter days, the prophetic word, that Israel will be the center of the unfolding of prophetic events, and particularly Jerusalem, and in fact the Temple Mount, uh, where the Dome of the Rock is today in the Al-Aqsa Mosque, will be the very epicenter of the unfolding events of the latter days, and literally the world will be against Israel in the latter days. So I think you know, we we go from its history all the way to its prophetic future and recognize that there is a spiritual battle unfolding in in uh, the world today, and it is predicted to focus itself on Israel as we draw nearer to the latter days. One question I want to get in before we go to our break, um, replacement theology. There are some who believe the church has replaced Israel in terms of God's affection and his his covenant and commitment. Can you address that so that we're clear that God can be trusted, that he is faithful when he makes a covenant, he keeps it, uh, whether we're talking about Israel or we're talking about uh, the church? Can you address this uh, replacement theology? So there is a theology um, within Christendom that believes that all of the promises made to Israel have become null and void and have been transferred 
to the church so that the church has replaced Israel in God's agenda, you might say, for the world. And so thus, replacement theology. Um, Now, why um, they believe that? The primary reason is because they rejected their Messiah. So in rejecting their Messiah, whom God uh, sent uh, to them, and in fact, Jesus, when he was uh, coming down the descent of the Mount of Olives, and there was Jerusalem before him, uh, on that day we call the triumphant entry or Palm Sunday, he saw Jerusalem and he wept. He wept deeply, saying, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I've longed to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, uh, but you would not have it. Behold, your city is laid to you desolate, for you did not know the time of your visitation. And so there they connect that to they did not know the time of the visitation of the Messiah to the rejection of the Messiah, and thus all of the promises are null and void and replaced and given to the church. That is a modern, well, actually it's not very modern, it's quite old, oh, yeah. but it's, <laughs> a, it's, it's arising in, in a way, you might say. It's quite old. Actually, it's as old as the Reformation and older than that even. And it's created a lot of, a lot of confusion in regards to yes. where the church should stand with Israel. Yes. It's also created a lot of confusion as to how to interpret Scripture because in order to uh, adhere to that doctrine, you must spiritualize a lot of God's Word. Exactly, especially the prophetic events with regards to Christ's return. Exactly. All right. We need to take a break. We're going to continue our conversation. Again, we're talking about blessers of Israel. It's not a, a, a ministry that we're hoping you'll just connect with in this conversation, but that you will become a part of this opportunity to better understand Scripture and to respond in a way that's honoring to God and uh, reflects obedience to what he is calling us to do as followers of Jesus. Quick break. We will continue in just a few moments. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We are talking about the uh, ministry blessers of Israel. As the founder and senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Worship Center, Pastor Rich Jones has been committed to teaching through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And this commitment to teaching the full counsel of God's word serves as the foundational distinctive of blessers of Israel. Now, Pastor Rich has led many tours of Israel, gave him a deeper appreciation for Israel, her her people, and the history. Pastor Rich's study of the Bible has given him a burden for Israel and her people to know Jesus as their Messiah. In 2022, he founded Blessers of Israel to equip Christians to understand the importance of standing with Israel and her people and to establish a messianic school of evangelism in Israel. We'll talk more about that a bit later. Pastor Rich believes that God will use his word to prepare the church and Israel for the events of the latter days so that many will place their faith in Jesus as their Messiah before he returns. Also with us today, Dr. Matthew Dodd is the executive director of Blessers of Israel. He currently serves as an associate pastor at Calvary Chapel Worship Center in Hillsboro, where he regularly teaches at weekly services and gatherings. He's worked with Pastor Jones in various capacities since 1994, and he is the board chair of Valor Christian School International. Dr. Dodd has a heart uh, heartfelt burden for Israel and her people, and he has co-led tours of the Holy Land, which has given him a deeper appreciation for Israel's rich history and promised future. I wanted to give you a full 
um, introduction because I think it's important to know that you have a long history and roots in this uh, this subject of the church and our relationship to Israel and what God is calling us to do. Now, what is the vision of Blessers of Israel? Because it's it certainly is a, a resource to help inform believers, but it goes much further than that. What's the vision? Great question. Well, there's really a fourfold vision for Blessers of Israel, or maybe we'd call it like the pillars of Blessers of Israel. Mm-hmm. Uh, first and foremost, uh, what Pastor Rich was talking about earlier it's important to inform people, the church, as to its relationship to Israel and understand um, the, the fact that Israel is going to be the epicenter of uh, prophetic events with regards to the return of Jesus Christ. And so we need to know how to stand with regards to Israel in the latter days. Uh, that's the first aspect of it. So there's going to be, for blessers of Israel, we want to have uh, leadership that will go and speak at churches, speak at conventions to help the church understand the importance of standing with Israel in the latter days, equipping them to uh, know how to defend Israel and to support Israel. So that's the first pillar. The second pillar is, as you mentioned a moment ago, we are looking to start a messianic school in Israel, and I'll have Pastor Rich share a little bit more about that in just a bit. But the whole goal is to equip Messianic Jews to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with their fellow countrymen and so that they could see uh, their need for a Savior and that Jesus is the Christ and they too be saved. And so we're looking for those who would be uh, of like-minded faith there in Israel that would rise up with us and we would equip them, actually using some of the principles from Calvary Chapel in terms of Mm -hmm. chapter by chapter, Mm -hmm. verse by verse, teaching them from the scriptures how to share their faith. Uh, Another component is um, the role of anti-Semitism. As Pastor Rich mentioned a moment ago, there is a real increase, and I think in the latter days you're going to see even more of that. There's going to be an increase as the gospel goes out, but with that, there's going to be opposition, satanic opposition to the Jews because he wants to destroy all who are made in the image of God, and specifically, he wants to prove God a liar in the, in the sense that when, if the Jews were to be removed from the face of the earth, then Christ, when he comes, there would be no nation for him to rule over on the throne of David. So that's another key component there as well. Pastor Rich, do you want to talk about the fourth component? Well, we talked earlier about the events of the world and the arising of anti-Semitism, but I think that it's important to recognize uh, the, the current events that are happening in the world as connected to biblical perspective. And so that's really that that pillar of the ministry of blessings of Israel is to be a news source, a trusted news source, that will relay the information of the events of the world, but connect it to biblical prophecy and biblical perspective. So that is what we're calling the uh, Signs of the Times uh, news feed. And so that is a tremendously important um, part of the ministry because it's informing. It is... um, Doing what Jesus said, stay on the alert. Watch for the signs of the times. So that's really uh, what the ministry is doing. It's watching for the signs of the times, interpreting the events of the world that Jesus said and indicating that these would be the things that would happen in the latter days. But 
To stay on the alert means that you watch from a biblical perspective so that you can pray, so that your faith can be increased, so that your fear does not arise. But this is a very important part. In my view, we need revival. And that's what really the aim is, is to stir people up in their faith by helping them to see that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is going to rule and reign. We know how this story ends, and we want to put it forth with boldness. Um, with that main pillar of uh, one of the main pillars of the ministry is our Signs of the Times newsfeed. And with that, we're also started a podcast. Right. And so what we want to do with the podcast is bring biblical commentary to the events that are happening right now and how they're impacting Israel specifically Mm -hmm. and how we can be in prayer and stand with Israel in light of what is happening right now. No, I appreciated you, your emphasis, um, Pastor Rich, on reliable source. There's lots of information, but there's very little wisdom. There's very little resource to help us make sense in terms of of God's perspective of the events that we're seeing around us. It can be terrifying to look ahead, to read the headlines and wonder, what does this mean moving forward? Mm -hmm. Where is the United States in the future of the end time events? But to find a reliable source that helps us to see what does the scripture tell us about these things so that we can um, avoid panic and to respond biblically and in faith to events as we are watching them unfold. Because we need a biblical perspective. Otherwise, it's so disturbing to see what's happening in the world. So we have to, we have, to have a reliable biblical perspective. But also, <clears throat> I believe we need to understand the, the, the context of what's happening, particularly in the Middle East. Because as I mentioned before, the events uh, of the world are going to be centered more and more upon Israel, and particularly nations arising against them. <clears throat> but we need to understand it in its context of mm-hmm. history. Because I think there's a lot that is being lost here. It's particularly when we consider the the Palestinian Arab uh, or the Palestinian refugees debate. I read so many articles that are so misinformed because they're not aware, or at least they're not bringing to bear, uh, the history of this whole uh, conflict. And when you see it in its conflict, and then you see it in its biblical perspective, it brings light on it, and the perspective is right. And I would add to that, Georgine, that we're not here to chase headlines. I think it's easy to get caught into that mm-hmm. cycle. So our goal is not to change, chase headlines, but rather to look at what is happening in the world, how it is shaping mm-hmm. events, and then bring biblical perspective so that, again, as I mentioned a moment ago, people can be informed. And, and I think that information is powerful because God doesn't want us to be afraid. Mm-hmm. The Lord is still on the throne, and sure. everything is being executed according to his plan. And so for us as a church, we get to be confident that God is working out his will. And now we want to stand where he would have us stand. It seems to me that's going to become more crucial in the days ahead where there's greater uncertainty in our own environment to be uh, reassured from God's Mm -hmm. word uh, that Mm -hmm. he is a sovereign God, that he is moving things forward as his word um, promises. Now we're going to take a quick break, but before we do, I want to make sure our listeners know what's the best way to connect with Blessers of Israel. This is a great resource uh, that I would encourage you to connect with, and there are a number of different ways to do that, but what's the best way for our listeners to connect and to 
uh, support this ministry. Great. Just go to our website, www.blessers, and that's B-L-E-S-S-O-R-S dot O-R-G. Blessers with an O. That's the greatest way to get in contact with us to see what we're all about, the mission and the vision. Plus, we're on social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Getter, and also on YouTube and Rumble. Uh, Excellent. We're going to take a quick break. We'll return in just a few moments and talk about some of the articles you will find there at Blessers of Israel. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. My guest this afternoon, Pastor Rich Jones and Associate Pastor Matthew Dodd. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, and I'm so glad you've joined us today because we're talking about Blessers of Israel. It's a, a ministry that has just been birthed, at least made uh, made public, uh, that is going to provide a tremendous resource for those of us who want to walk faithfully and obediently uh, in the will of God and to understand what God's intention is for us as it relates to Israel. We were talking about the fact that there is the Signs of the Times news feed uh, and a podcast that's available to help us uh, understand events as they're unfolding. Uh, both of those resources are currently available. Uh, there are a couple of uh, several articles there as well. We touched a moment ago on anti-Semitism and what's at the heart of anti-Semitism. We've seen it historically in following uh, the end of World War II and the Holocaust. The world was so appalled by it that we collectively, or at least most of the world, suggested this will never happen again. And yet we are drifting once again into anti-Semitism. The article makes the point that this is spiritual warfare. Can you talk a bit more about, as you did earlier, a bit more about the spiritual warfare that we're seeing uh, and it's expressing itself in the form of anti-Semitism? Well, when you talk about spiritual warfare, I think we have to go back all the way back biblically to an understanding that the enemy knows very well that the Messiah, the Son of the living God, the Redeemer of the world, is of the Jews. Jesus said salvation is of the Jews. Paul said salvation is of the Jews. So we have to recognize the spiritual uh, uh, element of this. The You can look at uh, uh, Revelation, for example, uh, where it, it graphically speaks about the enemy's desire to devour the the child of the woman, in this case Israel's son that was born, the Messiah Jesus. But that animosity and and uh, spiritual conflict is brought right to bear against the church as well. But the desire to uh, annihilate Israel, you can go all the way back. And see, over and over in the history of the world, the uh, attempts at the annihilation of the Jews. And, of course, we've seen it recently in um, the Holocaust. But even more recently than that, at at the end of World War II, when the uh, world, I think, was outraged at the uh, loss of millions of Jews of the Holocaust, sought to give a homeland to Israel, the United Nations, of course, approved a partition plan so that Israel would have a homeland. But immediately, this was outright rejected by the Arabs, but particularly by the Palestinian Arabs. And the immediate result was war. But that was not just a war 
for the sake of, of denying Israel an opportunity to have a country. No, it was a war for the purpose of complete annihilation. And so again, you see the spiritual warfare that's behind this, uh, and it's arising today again, and that's why it's ever more important that we have a correct understanding of Israel, in particularly uh, the prophecy and the biblical perspective. One of the concerns that is uh, rising among many observers of uh, current events is the alliance between Russia Mm -hmm. and China. And I would add Iran in there as well. But the alliance between Russia and China, is there any significance from a biblical perspective uh, in that alliance? And how might we understand uh, events as we're witnessing them today between these two major countries? Yeah, I think that is very important to see. And I would, with you, bring in Iran, because I think when we look at a major prophecy in the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39, there you have spelled out that there's going to be this battle of Gog and Magog. Uh, Russia from the north, Persia is going to be involved in some other nations as well. Uh, But your two main characters are going to be Russia and Iran, and they're going to come against Israel. And, And really, when you look at Ezekiel 38 and 39, it becomes very clear that all odds are stacked against them. There's no way that they could possibly win. And there are other nations who are are watching and maybe voicing concern, but they don't step in and intervene. But God, God supernaturally intervenes and destroys Israel's enemies, and it becomes quite evident that God is working on behalf of Israel. And so really, in many ways, what we see going on right now Uh, with Russia, with uh, Iran and the renewed ties there, even the increase of influence that Iran has. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, You're seeing these these relationships that are shifting and in many ways, I believe, are setting the stage for Ezekiel 38 and 39, the Battle of Gog and Magog. But let me add to that. What we're seeing today, however, is that Russia is not the the bear that it thinks Mm -hmm. it is. Uh, but is quite weak in relationship to what people expected. And this is, of course, being revealed right now in the Ukrainian war that's unfolding. But we see now a uh, joining together an alliance, you might say, of China being added uh, now in this relationship that, frankly, is going to add a tremendous strength um, to uh, this partnership between Russia, China, Iran, and others in, in, in what I have called an, a new axis of powers. Actually, they call it the axis of resistance. Mm. So they that's themselves. very, very fascinating. They themselves are calling it the axis of resistance against the West, and specifically the United States and Israel. So this is what I, I believe that is important to understand, is you take a biblical perspective, and then you look at the nations mentioned in the Scriptures, and then you see the unfolding of these events. And it helps us to connect them so that we can pray rightly, so that we can be prepared, so that we can not be afraid, and so that we can arise in faith. We do know how the story ends. And I think with China in particular, I think Iran has now been emboldened knowing Mm -hmm. that they've got the big brother on the block. Mm -hmm. And so now you see them flexing their muscles and their influence as a result of knowing that China's got their back. But then we add a newfound relationship building between Saudi Arabia. Exactly. Yes. And and Iran. 
And, and that came out of the blue. No one expected that because, you know, they've been enemies for many years. Which then ties into Ezekiel 38 and 39 because right. Saudi Arabia will be part of that group that will voice opposition to the attack on Israel but do nothing. But then we have to add, who was it that made that, that negotiated deal? China. We see their influence growing as well. In fact, what's interesting is there was a poll taken, and, and there are many Palestinians who want China to be involved with mm-hmm. negotiations mm-hmm. because they trust China more than the United States mm-hmm. to have their back in negotiating with Israel. And Israel actually has reached out to China for assistance with the Palestinian conflict as well. And many believe that perhaps China is the one that's going to negotiate some kind of peace between Ukraine and Russia. Their influence is growing exponentially in the world, and therefore we must keep our eyes on what's happening there in those relationships with China. Right now we have such a polarizing between East and West like we haven't seen in many, many decades. Since since the Cold War. Georgina, I just realized we're still... (laughs) We just ran off with uh, a tremendous interest in all this, and I apologize. Oh, no, not at all. People are listening to hear what you have to say. I'm facilitating this conversation. But I think again, I think it's important for us to recognize this is a tremendous resource, and we're referring to blessers of Israel, to help us to become informed of what's happening, what the scriptures have to say about it, so that we're not surprised. And we're reminded that God is not surprised by events as they're unfolding in our time. The God of eternity uh, is overseeing and understands what's what's happening, and he has given us a resource in his word to help us uh, Mm -hmm. to know how to respond uh, and to watch and pray. We're talking this afternoon with uh, Pastor Rich Jones and Associate Pastor Matthew Dodd. Uh, Matthew Dodd is the executive director of Blessers of Israel, and Pastor Rich is the founder and um, chairman of Blessers of Israel. We're going to take a quick break here in a moment. But when we come back, I want to make sure we talk about how our listeners can become involved and uh, not just take advantage of the resource, which I hope they will, but there are ways to be uh, to be involved as well, to become a member, for example. We'll get into that in just a few moments. Again, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. Is aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Once again, we're continuing our conversation. Pastor Ritz Jones and uh, Dr. Matthew Dodd are my guests. We're talking about the ministry, Blessers of Israel, a tremendous resource to help us understand what the scriptures teach and to understand events as they're unfolding in our time and what to anticipate Uh, In the future, I think it's important for people to have access to this reliable source of information. But I think there uh, there are opportunities for even deeper involvement with blessers of Israel. So I want to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about your vision for our listeners and, and those of us in the body of Christ who want to walk in obedience and understand what the scriptures teach us in order that we can watch and pray and uh, walk with faith and confidence. I appreciate you asking that, Georgine. I think the first thing we'd encourage people to do is to come to our website, blessers.org. That's blessers, B-L-E-S-S-O-R-S dot O-R-G. Come and take a look at our website. You can see all the information that's there in regards to our fourfold vision and mission to have an impact both on the church by equipping her and also on Israel in terms of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and equipping the Messianic Jews to share the gospel with 
their brothers and sisters, their fellow Jews. And so I'd encourage you to take a look at the website. You can see all the great resources that we have here. I'd specifically encourage you to go to our newsroom page. What we do is we act as an aggregate. We want to collect news from outside sources, and then we bring biblical commentary. We have original articles that are there. Plus, you will see uh, the, the most recent podcast that we've aired as well. So it's a great resource, and it's a trusted resource. We scour through many, many outside sources to find the types of news that are relevant, not, not noise. We want signal, things that are very specific to Israel and, and coming from a, vo- a variety of sources so that people can say, okay, I can trust this now. And then we bring that biblical commentary to it so they can understand how to interpret these events properly. So that's one way. It's just to check out the source and, and see it. And if it's ministering to you, if you feel like, boy, this is, this is something I want to partner with, then you can do so. Uh, there's a way to uh, join our news feed. And so you'll get up-to-date information in regards to what we're putting out at Blessers of Israel. New content, check out also our social media pages. That's important. For, for churches, invite us to come on out and speak at your church. Or if you're going to have a, a conference, we would love to come out there and talk about Blessers of Israel and the importance of this ministry at this time in history. And obviously, uh, we are a ministry, and we would appreciate any partnership financially that you would want to, uh, to give as well uh, so that we can be more effective and efficient in bringing this message both to the church and ultimately reaching Israel. I would add to that, <clears throat> when you go onto the website, of course, they can sign up to be a member. They can join the email list. They can join the news feed. But I would really highly suggest going through the videos where we give a tremendous background and history, modern history of Israel and a modern history of the modern Palestinian problem because that puts the world's perspective, uh, the world's issues in perspective because I really believe that's going to become the central issue. In fact, that's what Saudi Arabia just recently said. It is. And what I like about the videos and the articles, we want to respect people's time. Mm-hmm. And I think it can get overwhelming when you're reading, mm-hmm. you know, these lengthy articles. And it's like, well, what's the bottom line? Mm-hmm. What's the main point? They're concise. They're mm-hmm. precise. And yet they give you the essence of the history so that you can be informed. Well, it's a tremendous resource. Now, I know at some point in the future, I know you have taken many teams uh, to trips uh, to Israel, but in future that will be uh, an extension of Blessers of Israel as well? Absolutely, yeah. We, uh, we know that when people uh, get an understanding of the role and significance of Israel, they're going to want to experience it for themselves. Yep. You know, when I was going to seminary at Dallas Theological <clears throat> Seminary, one of my professors, Dwight Pentecost, what a great mm-hmm. name for a professor, <laughs> Dwight Pentecost, he went. He he didn't go to Israel till later on in his ministry, and and he shared how, you know, going through the scriptures as he would as a scholar, it was like reading it in black and white and getting a picture of Israel, but not really getting the flavor. Then you go there, and it was like high definition, mm-hmm. and that's why I think it's so important for people to go to Israel is they begin to see where these biblical events happen, to walk where Jesus walked. Uh, it, it just will transform your life. Well, to use another analogy that's very similar, I don't know if you've ever, ever seen these uh, videos of a person who is colorblind, 
and then as a birthday gift or whatever, somebody gives them these new glasses, you know, and uh, they can see in color for the first time in their life, right? And so everybody brings balloons and everything and dresses up in great colors. And the colorblind person opens the gift. They put these glasses on, and they're shocked. For the first time in their life, they can see color, and they cry and they weep. I mean, it's such a deep moment. That's what it's like to visit Israel. It's like putting on the glasses where you can see the Bible in color. In fact, I was just there, just got back two or three weeks ago, brought a group, uh, two buses, and it was life-changing. Everybody who was on the trip came back and said, I will never read my Bible the same again, ever. It's that impactful. So yes, we will invite people to join us on future trips to Israel, because it is life-changing, and you'll never see Israel the same again either. Yeah, I know I've traveled to Israel several times myself, and that is so true. Of all the places in the world that I've visited, and I've been all over the world, the one place I always want to return is Israel. There is something there that draws me and captures my attention, because so much of what I've read in Scripture has you know, has happened there, and mm-hmm. I meet Jesus there in a very... Uh, in a very different way, in a more tangible way. So I'm I'm looking forward to that uh, future where blessers of Israel will have the opportunity to travel together, not just to see the sites, but to be reminded of what happened in these locations that are that's relevant to us today and our understanding of who God is, what He has done, and what He uh, will do in the future. Meanwhile, um, uh, I tell you, it's such an important thing to keep your eyes on what's happening in Israel. And so that is really the, the mission of Blessers of Israel, to help people to, to keep their eyes uh, on what's happening, to be informed about its biblical significance so that they can pray. And ultimately, our vision is for revival. Amen. And I would say when you're coming to the news source, when you're gonna, what you're going to see is there will be a, a focus on what is happening with your major players that we mentioned a moment ago. There will be mentioning of articles related to Israel, but also to Iran, to China, to Russia, and to those in the neighborhood in the Middle East. We want to see, but also the United States, because that directly impacts what happens Mm -hmm. to Israel as well. you know, uh, the United States is one of the, the greatest partners and allies of Israel and vice versa, Israel to the United States in the Middle East. And so what's happening right there in terms of that relationship is so important for us to understand in the latter days. But in the United States, there is a rising anti-Semitism. There is. I mean, it's very concerning when you see what's happening in college campuses yes. all across this country. If you were to do uh, some polling, you would be shocked. How many people are standing with the Palestinian Arabs have taken their narrative and believe that's the narrative that, you know, that should rule the day? That is a misinformed narrative, I will tell you. Interestingly enough, Israel now is going to begin to fund education here in the United States mm-hmm. to help counter the narrative. And well, they should. And they should. Because yeah. that narrative is based on a misunderstanding and a lack of understanding, I should say, about the root of it. I mentioned... Uh, the United Nations made a partition plan. Can you imagine what would have happened had the Arabs accepted that partition plan? Well, we would have a two-state solution and we would not have this conflict that we're having today. But the outright rejected it and instead uh, a war ensued and no one thought that Israel would survive except for the hand of God. Because they don't want Israel to exist at all. Exactly. That's it. That's right. 
Well, no one ever believes that Israel can stand. And yet (laughs) the Mm -hmm. God who made a covenant with Abraham um, has declared what the future will be. Uh, Once again, we want to encourage you to take full advantage of this tremendous resource, Blessers of Israel, blessers.org. And by the way, you can put in the full name, you can misspell blessers, and it will take you (laughs) to the right uh, site. I would encourage you to begin to look at the videos that help to explain the issues surrounding the nation of Israel. Take advantage of the uh, featured articles. There's some resources from outside sources that, again, are reliable to help us uh, to appreciate uh, what God's word has to say and how to respond, how to watch and pray. I so uh, I'm looking forward to uh, this ministry as it continues to grow and move forward and uh, the body of Christ becoming better equipped to respond in a way that's biblical, is honoring to God and stands in support of Israel. Thank you both so much for spending this hour with us um, to help us become blessers of Israel. This has been an absolute pleasure. And Georgine, we want to have you on our podcast. I'll be there. (laughs) I would love to do that. Thank you so much. Again, uh, Pastor Rich Jones and Associate Pastor Matthew Dodd, who's also Executive Director of Blessers of Israel. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. We wanted to return to covering some of the day's headlines, beginning with the University of Pennsylvania swimming teammate of Leah Thomas, is speaking up for the first time. A college teammate of transgender swimmer Leah Thomas is speaking out after anonymously participating in the Daily Wire's documentary, What is a Woman? Paula Scanlon, who completed on the University of Pennsylvania's women's swimming team during the 2018-2019 and following season, spoke to the Daily Wire host Matt Walsh in the video posted on social media Monday night saying she's ready to join former college swimmer Riley Gaines in fighting for women and girls across the country. Scanlon told Walsh that the university athletic department informed the team in a meeting that Thomas' spot on the women's team was non-negotiable and that they would regret it if they spoke to the media. Well, a teammate appeared in the uh, the video a few days ago. She came out uh, and said she's ready to speak publicly. In other news, Representative Cory Bush called out Republicans who consider themselves anti-woke, stating they are labeling themselves as anti-black during a House oversight hearing on Tuesday. Now, that's news to most of the African-American community. But during a House committee and oversight accountability hearing on environmental, social governance or ESG topics, Bush pointed to the extremely uh, frequent use of wokeness among Republican leaders. Bush said those who fixate on establishing themselves as anti-woke are actually saying, I don't want black people to speak up for themselves. I don't want equality and justice for black folks, end quote. Well, I, as a black woman, am anti-woke, and none of those things is true of me. Anyway, the comments from Bush follow a recently introduced resolution in the House of Representatives in support of federal reparations. A group of Democratic lawmakers uh, led by Bush proposed a $14 trillion resolution titled Reparations Now last month for black people who re- to receive compensation for the legacy of slavery and racism in the United States. The representative says Republicans who claim to be anti-woke are really anti-black. Unless you're saying I'm racist, white supremacist, and I'm bigoted, stop talking about wokeness. Don't let a fascist tell you what being woke means. I don't think you have to have a Ph.D. to understand how it's being applied. And a lot of people just simply don't like it, regardless of their race. Well, the Atlanta City Council approved a police officer training center after a Herculean city council meeting. 
The Atlanta City Council convened at 1 p.m. yesterday to vote to approve or disapprove a $30 million to be spent on the construction of the police training center activists called Cop City. Literally hundreds of progressives showed up to make two-minute speeches in opposition to the plan. And as a result, the meeting lasted approximately 16 hours. It was full of pleading and screaming and the occasional threat. At one point, around 10 p.m. last night, the council called for a 15-minute recess to allow people to calm down. At that point, the protesters were told that threats had... uh, had been made, and if the situation continued, the room would be cleared. But public comment resumed and lasted for another six hours. In the end, the activists seemed to have made no difference at all because the vote, which was finally taken at 5.30 a.m. Tuesday morning, wasn't even close. The 11-4 to 4 vote around 5.30 a.m. local time prompted outrage and jeers within the chamber where audience members chanted, Cop City will not be built. Judge Robert Hinkle of the Northern District of Florida issued a preliminary junction on Tuesday against the state's ban on gender transition treatments for minors. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed a ban into law last month on puberty blockers and hormones for transgender minors. Hinkle, who was appointed to the bench by President Bill Clinton, asserted that in the Doe versus Lapedo opinion that gender identity is real. In his view, the Overwhelming weight of medical authority supports treatment for transgender patients with GNRH agonists and cross-sex hormones in appropriate circumstances. The law signed by DeSantis in May stipulates that physicians are not allowed to prescribe puberty blockers or cross-sex hormones to minors. It also prevents invasive, irreversible procedures such as double mastectomy, uh, phalloplasty or vaginoplasty. Oklahoma's statewide virtual charter school board voted three to two to approve what would be the first taxpayer funded religious school in the nation, setting up a likely legal battle over the separation of church and state. Set to begin in late 2024, the school will offer online classes to around 500 students in kindergarten through grade 12. The school will receive an estimated $23.3 million in state funding for its first five years. Top state Republicans have disagreed on whether a religious charter school was allowable. Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt, he praised the board's courage to approve the authorization for St. Isidore of Seville Catholic Virtual School. This is a win for religious liberty and education freedom in our great state. And I am encouraged by these efforts to give parents more options when it comes to their child's education. Norway, hardly the model of extreme right-wing Christian fundamentalism, joined a growing number of European countries earlier this year in a move to restrict gender-affirming care for minors. The Norwegian Healthcare Investigation Board ruled that guidance encouraging puberty blockers and sex change procedures for gender-confused youths lacked medical evidence and should be restricted to research settings only. Scientists in Sweden, Finland, France, and the United Kingdom have raised similar concerns, with the U.K.'s National Health Service going so far as to shut down its Tavistock Gender Clinic, the largest pediatric center of its kind, last year due to concerns that its treatments were putting gender-confused patients at considerable risk. Keep in mind, these are the countries in which the affirmative approach to transgender issues, known as the Dutch model, began – And it has exploded in their faces as an irreversible, devastating mistake. It's good that more professional organizations are recognizing the experimental nature of this approach in children. An existing body of research shows that most kids with gender dysphoria grow to be comfortable in their bodies upon undergoing puberty and 
that those wishing to transition suddenly post-puberty may be experiencing a social contagion. These studies have been dismissed because they don't fit the preferred activist narrative, but they exist. Three months before saboteurs bombed the Nord Stream natural gas pipeline, the Biden administration learned from a close ally that the Ukrainian military had planned a covert attack on the undersea network using a small team of divers who reportedly uh, reported directly to the commander in chief of the Ukrainian armed forces. Details about the plan, which have not been previously reported, were collected by a European intelligence service and shared with the CIA in June of last year. They provide some of the most specific evidence of to date linking the government to Ukraine to the eventual attack in the Baltic Sea, which U.S. and Western officials have called a brazen and dangerous act of sabotage on Europe's energy infrastructure. Several underwater explosions ruptured the Nord Stream 1 and the newly built Nord Stream 2 pipelines that link Russia and Germany across the Baltic Sea in September of last year. Former Governor Chris Christie has launched, well, the former two-term New Jersey governor, U.S. attorney, and failed 2016 presidential contender Chris Christie embarked upon his second bid for president yesterday. He made clear that one of his biggest motivations is taking out Donald Trump, Though one wonders how much that will actually help Trump, especially by insulting the former president with a comparison to a villain in adolescent literature. I don't want to say his name, Christie said of Trump. He is, for those uh, for those of you who read the Harry Potter books, like Voldemort. He is he who shall not be named. Christie did name Trump, of course, saying he is the one who is obsessed with a mirror, who never admits a mistake, who never admits fault, who always finds someone else and something else to blame for whatever goes wrong, but finds every reason to take credit for anything that goes right. In quote, well, Christie, the former Trump fan, can't stand the guy now. We get it. But besides what many are calling a kamikaze campaign, why is he running? Well, he left the governorship with record low popularity, fizzled in 2016 and missed what might have been his only real shot at the White House in 2012. Maybe he just wants to be attorney general for the next Republican president named Trump. It'll be an interesting campaign to follow in the days ahead. We're going to take a break here in just a moment, but I do want to give you a heads up. Tomorrow I will be joined in studio by Bill Russell and another associate from the Union Gospel Mission for their Radiothon. This is an opportunity for us to look at the needs of our local community, and in this case, specifically women and their children, and a facility that is available to provide housing for them. It really is an incredible story, and the uh, transformation that these women and their families are experiencing are nothing short of miraculous either. So we'll get into that on tomorrow's program. I hope you will plan to join us for all or part of that Radiothon, again, coming up on Thursday's program. We'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the final segment of the Georgine Rice Show, just wrapping up some of the headline news from the last uh, 24 hours. Tucker Carlson is back. Well, sort of. Episode one of Tucker Carlson's new show dropped on his Twitter account last night as a popular host begins a new era of commentary. Summarily fired by Fox News with virtually no reason in April, Carlson announced last month that he'd be uh, coming to Elon Musk's platform. He began his 10 minute monologue with a sharply sarcastic comment regarding 
the destroyed dam in Ukraine and the media's defense of Ukraine and condemnation of Russia before moving on to sharply sarcastic comments about a government cover up of UFOs. As we go to press, uh, he first uh, his first episode hasn't even been up for 24 hours and it's already dwarfed by his uh, Fox News audience with more than 71 million views. Clearly, he resonates. Retail giant Target appeared to pull back a bit from its promotion of Pride merchandise, even for children and infants, after blowback from people who are tired of tasting the rainbow as uh, it's shoved down their throats. Well, the mild retreat isn't going over very well with the Rainbow Mafia. More than 200 of its groups are demanding that Target bow the knee, put back the merchandise, and denounce extremists, by which they mean people who object. When it comes to advancing diversity, equity and inclusion, there's no such thing as neutrality, they declared. Fear will not win, they insist, as they demand submission or else. So I guess they're hoping fear will win while saying it won't. A Florida man favors grooming children. Judge Robert Hinkle of the Northern District of Florida claimed that gender identity is real and that the overwhelming weight of medical authority supports treatment of transgender patients with GNRH agonists and cross-sex hormones in appropriate circumstances. As was said before, medical authority makes an awful lot of money creating lifelong transgender patients, and there are an increasing number of studies citing the long-term medical difficulties caused by uh, screwing around with God's design. Moreover, medical authority lost a lot of trust during COVID, so there's that. Nevertheless, Hinkle, an appointee of Bill Clinton, issued a preliminary injunction against Florida's law banning puberty blockers and hormones for minors. The battle isn't over, but that's an unfortunate loss that will harm children. Well, North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum announced his uh, plan to, well, run for president. It's a truly a long shot, but his hat is in the ring. RFK Jr.'s rising profile is sparking Democrat jitters, and Chris Licht is out at CNN, the CEO, as staffers rebel against his efforts to revamp the network's image. Elliot Page, the actor formerly known as Ellen Page, who uh, no identifies, who now identifies, I should say, as a man, claimed recently to have been threatened by a transphobe in Los Angeles. But the claim has been met with skepticism online, where Page has been compared to disgraced actor Jussie Smollett. A trans-identifying man will compete in the Miss California pageant. It was only a matter of time. The Associated Press forbids even discussing the transgenderism cult as an ideology. And Bud Light has been dethroned as the top-selling beer brand in the U.S. after the boycott. The Biden administration is preparing to target Americans' gas furnaces in the latest stove crackdown. And two million immigrants released into the United States under uh, the Biden plan are here indefinitely. In March of 2020, Dr. Howard Zucker had his name on the infamous Cuomo death order that has been blamed for the deaths of thousands of nursing home residents. The New York State Health Department's order stated that no resident shall be denied readmission or admission to a nursing home solely based on a confirmed or suspected diagnosis of COVID-19. It even banned nursing homes from testing incoming patients to prevent cases from being detected. In nursing homes that um, complied with the order, residents swiftly began dying. By the end of the pandemic, 15% of the state's nursing home residents were dead. Over 9,000 infected patients were sent into nursing homes and over 15,000 nursing home residents died. Well, Dr. Zucker was New York's Fauci. He became the public face of Cuomo's pandemic response and defended his actions and those of his boss. Well, 29 days after Governor Cuomo was forced to resign... His health commissioner, 
followed him out the door. Zucker didn't stay unemployed for long, though. He was hired on as chief medical officer at Color Health, the company that had specialized in COVID tests, did some teaching at local universities and then became a deputy director at CDC. Zucker now wields broad operating authority and responsibility for overall planning, direction and management of global strategy and programs across CDC. Does make one wonder. New York Democrats are deploying vending machines to dispense crack pipes and other drug paraphernalia. Health Commissioner Ashwan Vassan uh, revealed the machine this week, machines plural, uh, one of uh, four to be set in the city's worst neighborhoods for drug use. It contains Narcan and drug test strips, safe smoking pipes, condoms, nicotine gum, lip balm and tampons. He added that future machines uh, may include syringes. Every three hours, we're losing a New Yorker to drugs, he said. And it looks like 2022 is on track to be our highest year ever in overdoses. Well, the machines will have safer sniffing and safer smoking kits, he went on to say. Users won't have to purchase the items, but just enter their zip code to receive them for free. A Washington Free Beacon investigation last year found that despite the Biden administration claiming a multi-million dollar harm reduction program doesn't spend taxpayer dollars on drug paraphernalia, several Democratic cities hand out crack pipes. Every organization the Free Beacon visited, including in Boston, New York, uh, New York City, I should say, Washington, D.C., Baltimore and Richmond included crack pipes in their kits. Your tax dollars at work. Well, Disney has reversed course and agreed to meet with Uyghur genocide victims. Well, on this day in history, 1769, Daniel Boone begins to explore present-day Kentucky. 1892, Homer Plessy, a Creole of color, is arrested for refusing to leave a whites-only car of the East Louisiana Railroad. Ruling on his case, the U.S. Supreme Court upholds separate but equal racial segregation, a concept it would renounce, thankfully, in 1954. 1965, the U.S. Supreme Court in Griswold versus Connecticut strikes down seven to two, a Connecticut law used to prosecute a Planned Parenthood clinic in New Haven for providing contraceptives to married couples. 1993, the U.S. Supreme Court rules that religious groups could sometimes meet on school property after hours. 1993, ground is broken for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland. 1998, in a hate crime that stuns the nation, James Byrd Jr., a 49-year-old black man, is hooked by a chain to a pickup truck and dragged to his death in Jasper, Texas. Wasn't all that surprising to some of us. Two white men would be sentenced to death. Lawrence Russell Brewer would be executed in 2011. John William King would be executed in April of 2019. A third defendant would receive life with the possibility of parole. 2002, a Norwalk, Connecticut Superior Court jury convicts Michael Shakel, nephew of the late Senator Robert F. Kennedy, in the 1975 murder of Martha Moxley, Shakel's 15-year-old neighbor, after four days of deliberation. Well, Shakel's conviction would be vacated in 2018 by the Connecticut Supreme Court, which ruled that his attorney had deprived him of a fair trial by failing to call an alibi witness. And finally, on this day in history, 2018, NASA announces the discovery of preserved organic matter in an ancient lake bed on Mars by Curiosity Rover. I want to thank James Blind for producing, Dave King for engineering. Thank you for listening. Hope you'll join us tomorrow as we are joined by the Union Gospel Mission. Have a good night. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com and like us on Facebook. 
And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.